Welcome to the Ember Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today as we gather together to wrestle with the ways that these ancient texts collide with our everyday lives as 21st century people. Using art, music, and the world around us as our guide, we hope to breathe new life into these texts and that our conversations spark as much curiosity and creativity for you as they do for us. Hi, I'm Jeremy Grafe. I lead Ember Faith Community here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Hi, I'm Allison Spooner, and I'm the pastor at Faith Emmanuel and Hope Presbyterian Churches. Hi, I'm Kelsey Wallace, and I'm a PhD student in Bible and Cultures at Drew University. For this season of the podcast, we will be taking a look at the book of Ephesians, one of several New Testament texts attributed to the Apostle Paul. We will be talking about the uniqueness of the letter as a medium for scripture and what ancient letters like Ephesians might have to say to us about God's work in the world today. Thanks for tuning in. If you've been listening through this season, you've heard us wrestle with how Ephesians is both incredibly encouraging and incredibly frustrating. We met with Dr. Greg Carey, professor of New Testament at Lancaster Theological Seminary, to find out what he hopes people can take away from the letter to the Ephesians. So what I really want people to know about Ephesians is it has a really big theology. And what I mean by that is it has a big sense of what God is doing in Jesus and a big sense of who Jesus is. Mm -hmm. So who Jesus is is Jesus is now the risen Christ sitting in heaven ruling over everything. And the response to that is to worship him and be in relationship with him. But what God is doing is pulling, Ephesians 1.10 says, pulling everything together into Christ. And so the gospel for Ephesians is that through Jesus' death and resurrection, God is saving the whole world, all of it. And it plays out in the letter that that means different things. It means that people who have had divisions like Jews and Gentiles no longer need be divided, that that division's been overcome in Christ. It means that followers of Jesus can live in confidence because they know that already Christ has done everything on their behalf. So in Ephesians, there's no place for like anxiety. Am I, do I believe enough? Am I doing well enough? Any of that, God has that covered with, with Jesus. It means that the divisions we have in the churches, whether they're denominational or social or racial or whatever, Ephesians answers that with there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so all of these things are overcome in Jesus. I mean, it's a big gospel. Part of the reason I think that's important for us to hear right now is that Christianity, as I encounter it in my seminary students, as I encounter it going from church to church, we tend to market it at a very individual level, like my relationship with God or my relationship with Jesus. Uh, We tend to mark it in terms of our choices and how well we're doing at it. Ephesians never uses that kind of language. It's always big. It's always us. It's always God. 
And so um, for to follow Jesus in the light of Ephesians is to be part of what God is doing in the world. And it's almost not at all about me and Jesus, apart from me, Jesus, and all of these other people and these things that God is doing. So to me, that's really compelling. That's the main thing I'd want people to know about Ephesians. There are a couple of other things. <laughs> um, there could be a flip side to that theology that can get kind of scary. Mm -hmm. And so to get there, I'll go a little sideways. Um, most scholars think that Ephesians was written by someone other than Paul. And there are all kinds of technical reasons for that, but the sentences and the vocabulary and all of this don't sound that much like Paul. But one of the, one of the factors there is that in this view of God pulling everything together in Christ, that means everything has its place. And when Ephesians talks about the divine plan for the cosmos, it literally uses the Greek word that we, from which we get economy, mm. right? Uh, God's plan is an economy for everything. And so Ephesians is kind of notorious for having a long section that tells wives to submit to their husbands mm -hmm. and children to obey their parents, slaves to obey their masters. It's called the household code. Now, there are a lot of Christians out there who are just fine with that. Um, a lot of Christians who are happy to tell wives to be obedient to their husbands or who will defend the passage and say, oh, it's not that bad. It tells husbands to love their wives and be sacrificial like Jesus is for the church. But the problem is the whole package, wives are to their husbands like children are to their parents. They're like slaves are to their masters. Mm -hmm. It's one, two, three. And I remember encountering that when I was a kid, reading the Bible through for the first time, like 16 years old or whatever. Um, you know, I, was, I grew up in Alabama, and this white boy thought, wives submit to your husbands was fine, so I highlighted that. And then I got to children obey your parents, and I almost think I can remember feeling guilty enough to highlight that. I know I did, because I checked. But somehow when I got to slaves, obey your masters, I realized what the logic was that was holding all this together, mm -hmm. even then, mm -hmm. and I didn't highlight that. Like you can see that that's a package. Mm -hmm. And so one of the questions about Ephesians that causes me a certain measure of anxiety is, does the big theology come with that outlook on how people relate? Mm -hmm. If God has a big plan and everything has its place, how quick are we to start putting people in their place? Mm -hmm. So one of the reasons that most scholars don't think Paul wrote Ephesians is that long passage. Um, because in his other letters, Paul is very inclusive of women and considers them his partners in ministry and names them and all of that. He seems very uncomfortable with the implications of slavery, even though his society was very slave-oriented and He's not really much into talking about children and families, so it just, just doesn't come up. But that's one issue with Ephesians that is very divisive in the church now, mm -hmm. right? So um, where I struggle with that is that the parts that I love about Ephesians the most 
might be the flip side of what makes me most uncomfortable with the book. So in terms of in terms of helping people to be more discerning with engaging with this scripture, either in their own personal study or if they're preaching and teaching this, what are some ways, what are some strategies that you can help people be more resourceful and maybe emphasize this big theology of God's got it without maybe subscribing to um, the household codes? In, a, in an unhealthy way. One of the things I've noticed about Ephesians is that different parts of Ephesians are extremely influential, but in different parts of the church. Mm-hmm. So in churches I would call ecumenical, the churches that are trying to overcome their denominational boundaries, they'll often go to this big language of one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, mm-hmm. right? Um, because that, that language says we're already one they go there mm-hmm. and then Christians who are very much into what they want to call biblical family values are going to go to the household code mm-hmm. and talk about men's leadership and wives subordination um, those of us who have experienced like born again conversions the language in chapter 2 we go to that you know by grace you're saved through faith not of works not yourself so Ephesians has been sort of parceled up At the end of Ephesians is a passage that our Pentecostal and Charismatic brothers and sisters do a lot with, where it describes the struggle of following Jesus as a spiritual war and encourages believers to put on their armor of their faith because the real struggle isn't against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and so forth, it says. I think... It's not a bad thing to forget. A lot of us who don't like to think about a world with spiritual forces, angels and demons fighting each other, that might not be our outlook, but that there is a spiritual dimension to how we live in the world. And it seems to me that Ephesians is very much aware that it's not difficult to be deceived, um, to place one thing above another thing. So, with Ephesians, I don't have a magic answer for how you discern how to relate to the different parts. I am concerned that the parts shouldn't be... I don't think you should rip them apart. I don't think that's intellectually honest. I think they come together. So, maybe the question is, if, if we have a grand view of what God is trying to do in the world, how does that view of what God is doing show itself up in how we relate to each other and to other people. And, you know, you use the word discernment. I think discernment is the right word because there's not a pat answer to that. And if Ephesians were to give a pat answer to that, it might not be the one that, that we would follow. One, one of my passions um, working in churches and just having friends and loving people is how often I meet people who feel somewhat inadequate in their spiritual life. 
who feel like they don't do enough or don't believe strongly enough. And Ephesians might be a really good antidote to that. Um, I would say Ephesians and Colossians read together, they say a lot of the same things. Mm -hmm. But for folks who struggle with the sense that their faith isn't enough, part of that antidote is it doesn't have to be enough. The question isn't whether you're enough, it's whether Christ is enough. And Ephesians and Colossians together will insist Christ is enough. He carries all of that. And it is not our burden to be worried about whether we're enough. Um, in my imagination, I like to think that that's incredibly freeing. Uh, I experience it as freeing. I don't worry anymore <laughs> about those things than I used to. And I hope it'll have that effect on other people if they study in the same way. We hope that this season of the Ember podcast has helped you to understand Ephesians a bit better, that you can honestly engage with the parts that make you uncomfortable, and that you find inspiration and encouragement as well. Join us in season four of the podcast for a deep dive into Ecclesiastes. Thank you for tuning in. As we work through this text, we want to make sure that we are also in conversation with you, our listeners. So we invite you to reach out to us with questions, comments, and we'll be addressing these as we go on in subsequent podcasts. You can send your questions to emberfaithcommunity at gmail.com. Hope to hear from you. The Ember Podcast is a production of Ember Faith Community. Your hosts are Jeremy Grafe, Allison Spooner, and Kelsey Wallace. Music written and performed by Subaltern Project. All rights reserved, 2019.